think about which character in the story you identify with the most. If you're like me, you may have played all the roles in this parable at one time or another, but think about who you are and where you are right now. This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 194. Our topic today is, Who are you in the parable of the Good Samaritan? You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. As always, I'm so grateful that you've tuned in to listen and I just want to say I've noticed there are a lot of new listeners to the podcast in the last few weeks. I want to give a special shout out to you. Thank you so much for being here. If there's someone you know that you think might enjoy this podcast, I would really appreciate it if you would share it with them. Today, we're going to talk about the answer to this question. Who are you in the parable of the Good Samaritan? If you could ask Jesus a question, what would it be? And what do you think his answer would be? Every time I think about this, I realize Jesus would have been able to see what the real issue was behind my question and respond to what was deep in my heart. Have you ever noticed how Jesus rarely gives a direct answer to a question? Sometimes he responds with a question of his own, Sometimes he refocuses the conversation to bring out an important lesson or a rebuke. And this is exactly what happened when someone asked Jesus what he needed to do to have eternal life. This is in Luke 10, 25-28. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. He was quoting Deuteronomy 6 5 and Leviticus 19 18. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. Now, there's no way to know the exact motive of this fellow. Some translations use the word tempt instead of test, but it's not necessarily a negative motive here. It could be a sincere desire to hear Jesus' perspective. Sometimes people of faith, then and now, like to quote scripture back and forth to each other just to reassure themselves about something they believe. It could be just that, or perhaps the man was seeing if Jesus really knew his stuff. 
But the interesting thing is that Jesus turned it back on him and actually gave him an opportunity, which it seems he was happy to take advantage of, to expound on two of the most important teachings from the Bible, loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was actually showing a lot of respect for this man in asking him how he would answer the question. When the man quotes Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18, Jesus acknowledges his correct answer, but then points out it's not just about knowing and quoting the right Bible verses. He says, do this and you will live. How does this apply to you and me today? Well, how often do we judge our own faith or someone else's by what scriptures we quote, the words we say, the doctrines we believe? Jesus makes it crystal clear that to experience eternal life, action is required. We have to do what's in those two great commandments, loving God and loving our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus had already pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount why our actions are important. This is Matthew 7:20. He said, "Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions." When you obey these two commandments, to love God and your neighbor as yourself, people can't help but notice because of how you're acting. Now, the guy questioning Jesus was probably as conscientious as he knew how to be in loving God with all his heart, his mind, soul, and strength. And he probably thought he was loving his neighbor as himself as well. But the Bible says he wanted to make sure that he was doing it right. So he asked Jesus another question. This is Luke 10, 29. The Bible says he wanted to justify himself So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So here's the question behind the question Jesus is going to address. It's what this man really needed to hear. And Jesus shows him, and this lesson is a reminder for you and me today, what it actually means to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus' answer is called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Now I know you've heard and read this parable too many times to count, but I'm going to read it again, and as I do, think about which character in the story you identify with the most. If you're like me, you may have played all the roles in this parable at one time or another, but think about who you are and where you are right now. So, in response to the question, and who is my neighbor, this is Luke 10:30 30 through 37. Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. 
The next day he took out two denarii. A denarius is a day's wage for a laborer, so two denarii would have been two days' wages, and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Then Jesus asks this doctor of the law, this is verse 36, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. There it is again, being a good neighbor, loving your neighbor as yourself involves doing something, not just thinking or quoting Bible verses. So, who do you identify with most in this story? We're usually quick to think we're acting like the Good Samaritan, always willing and able to help those in need. But when I look closely in the mirror at how I have responded over the years to people in need, all too often I've been more like the priest or the Levite, full of religious ardor, but not really wanting to get involved or get my hands dirty, actually helping someone. Now, there have certainly been times in my life when I was more like the Good Samaritan. In fact, on a previous episode of the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I share an experience I had many years ago when I lived in Boston. I met a man on the street begging for money and responded with love. It was a beautiful experience, and both of us were blessed. Now, that was all the way back on episode four, and I'll put that link in the show notes. That episode was called Are you afraid to love as much as Jesus did? There have also been many times when I have been like the priest or Levite, seeing someone's plight and walking by, or worse, making some glib remark that wasn't helpful. Now, I just have to say, at least for me, sometimes it's been easier to be a good Samaritan when I'm all by myself when I'm with other people who are in a hurry or aren't inclined to help someone or frankly don't even notice that someone needs help, it's kind of hard to stop and minister to some stranger in need. Sometimes when this happens, I've slipped someone a few bucks just to show a little compassion, but I know that's not really going to solve their problem. Now, it's one thing to help someone you know, and that's not always easy, by the way. That's probably what the man of the law might have been thinking, that he was loving his friends. But to meet a total stranger that has been either literally or metaphorically robbed and beaten half to death, and help them to the degree the Good Samaritan did, well, that makes a completely different demand on your heart. Just imagine for a minute if you had been the priest or the Levite in this story. Why wouldn't you have stopped to help? Well, why don't we stop to help folks today who have been robbed, beaten up, and discarded by society? It doesn't take too long to come up with a long list of reasons we don't help people in distress. And frankly, sometimes we may not be the right person to help. But here are some of the things we say to ourselves. I tried to help someone like that once before, but they just took advantage of me. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help them. I don't have the resources to make a difference in someone's life. I'm in a hurry. I don't have time to get involved. I have enough drama of my own. I can't afford to get involved in someone else's drama. 
It is beneath my dignity to help someone like that. It's too dangerous to stop. Someone might attack me, too. He should just take responsibility for himself and he wouldn't be in this mess. I'm on my way to church and can't be late. Oh, I'm sure someone else will help him. I'll pray for him. It's his own fault he's in that mess. People will think I'm a fool if I stop to help this person. Oh, it's too late anyway. He's too far gone for anyone to help. As I said, those are just a few of the things we might tell ourselves. And I have pretty much used all these excuses for not stopping to help someone. And some of them may seem more legitimate than others, depending on the situation. Now, on the other hand, I know people who are always helping someone else. They'll go out of their way to do something for someone, even people they don't know. But they don't really take care of themselves. They feel all virtuous that they're doing their Christian duty to help others. But this isn't necessarily what Jesus had in mind when he affirmed that we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves. To obey that command, you have to love yourself as well. You have to take care of yourself. There needs to be a balance. Maybe that's why the Good Samaritan was able to help the man who got robbed. Maybe he loved himself. He must have felt comfortable enough with himself that he could see beyond his own little world and include others with a sense of compassion and basic humanity. Maybe then Jesus is saying the priest and the Levite didn't really know what love was. If they had really loved God with all their heart and loved themselves, they would have responded differently to the man lying in their path. This is why Jesus was able to help people in a way no one ever had before. Jesus truly loved his heavenly Father with every fiber of his being, and he loved himself as the Son of God. He owned who he was and valued it. And he put this love into practice in the way he loved everyone as his neighbor. He practiced what he preached. Now, there are some other characters in this story we haven't talked about yet. The thieves and the innkeeper. And if you really want to get technical, we could include the Good Samaritan's donkey, who also played a role in the story. Have you ever been the one who robbed someone's joy or beat up someone's faith and inspiration because they didn't express it the exact same way you would? I have to admit, I have been the thief on occasion. Not recently, thank goodness, but early in my faith journey, I could be rather inconsiderate of where someone else was on their faith journey, especially if it didn't line up with what I thought they should be believing and doing. All I can say to that is, thank you, God, for being merciful to me and teaching me to be more merciful to others. If you're struggling with a tendency to be judgmental or critical of others, Ask God to fill your heart with the compassion the Good Samaritan had. And let's just stop here for a minute to remember that the Jews hated the Samaritans and considered them as inferior socially and religiously. Think of how the Jews, especially the expert in the Jewish law who asked Jesus the questions, would have reacted just at the mention of a Samaritan as Jesus was telling the story. Before Jesus got to the part where the Samaritan helped the wounded man, those listening would probably have felt disgust, 
disdain, and contempt the moment he was mentioned. But when it turns out the Samaritan is the hero of the story, the only one who shows compassion and does anything to help, I think those Jewish listeners were stunned. And then when Jesus tells this expert in Jewish law to follow the example of a Samaritan, it could almost be taken as an insult. But the way Jesus finishes the story in the context of the man's original question about attaining eternal life, well, it makes the lesson even more poignant and gives everyone plenty to think about, probably for days. And here we are talking about it 2,000 years later. But there's a difference. We've heard the story of the Good Samaritan so many times. We've heard or preached sermons about it. We've read books, listened to podcasts, and been in Bible studies where we dissected the story line by line. But just try to imagine how it sounded to those folks listening for the first time. It was very radical and startling. How would Jesus tell that parable today? Well, it would probably depend on who he was talking to. So, just for the sake of discussion, imagine Jesus telling this parable to a long-time Sunday school teacher in a church that thinks they're the only ones who have the correct theology and look with disdain and condemnation at people in other churches. And there are several churches that think that way about themselves. Can't you just see Jesus replacing the priest and the Levite with a pastor and a deacon from that fellow's church? And then for the Good Samaritan, he might substitute someone in a church the Sunday school teacher was most critical of. How do you think that Sunday school teacher would respond? Let's take this one step closer to home. How would Jesus tell this parable to you? Who would he have to help the injured man to make you realize you needed a much deeper understanding and practice of what it means to love your neighbor? I'll let you think on that one for a while. Now, what about the innkeeper? Have you ever played that role? It's sort of like being a nurse. You take care of someone in a very practical way. You tend to their needs as they recover from some trauma. You probably do this all the time with friends and family. For the innkeeper, the injured man was a stranger, but he probably had a long-term relationship with a good Samaritan and trusted him. Now, he was in the business of housing travelers, but not necessarily those who had been injured so badly but he still responded with love. So can we. When someone you know and trust asks for your help in caring for someone who has been injured in some way, remember how the innkeeper responded. Now there's another character in the story, and I had never really thought of his role until putting together this week's episode. It's the donkey. Think about the important role that donkey played in the story. The injured man couldn't walk. The good Samaritan couldn't have carried him all the way to the inn. The donkey is an unsung hero in this story. I've rarely heard anyone talk about how important this beast of burden is. Have you ever played the role of the donkey when someone needed help? I have, and it is simply a supporting role. You're not in charge. You don't need to voice your opinions, good or bad. You don't really have any opinions about what's going on. In fact, it's sometimes best if you don't say much, if anything. You just do the job at hand of getting someone 
somewhere to be cared for, or helping someone in a quiet, loving way. As I said earlier, we usually like to think we are always the Good Samaritan in this story, but sometimes we may be the innkeeper or the donkey. All three are important and work together to bless the one who needs help. And I just want to point out, sometimes you need to be a Good Samaritan, an innkeeper, or a donkey to yourself, especially if you've been the thief, the priest, or the Levite to yourself. So, if we're going to take Jesus' parable to heart, does this mean we stop and take care of every homeless person we see on the streets or everyone who has been abused by society? There's really no way one person can do it all. But when you have the love in your heart the Good Samaritan had, you'll be guided to help those you can help. And in so doing, it's important not to feel guilty about not helping everyone you see that needs help. As I said, there's no way to help everyone. And you may not have the talents, the ability, or the wisdom to offer someone the help they really need. But we can't use that as an excuse to ignore people. We can always respond with love and treat people with respect. Several years ago, I was visiting Boise, Idaho for a conference. And one afternoon, as I was walking downtown, I saw a woman with a hand-lettered cardboard sign asking for help. She wanted to get to a nearby town somewhere. I felt such compassion, and I just sat down with her and asked her how she was doing. Then I simply said, hey, tell me your story. I don't remember all the details, but she was really trying to get her life together and never asked me for any money. We just talked for about 10 or 15 minutes. It was a real conversation with a real person. I shared some ideas and some of my own experiences that seemed appropriate, which she really appreciated. Before I stood up to leave, we prayed together. Just before I said goodbye, I felt God sort of nudge me to give her a few dollars. So I did. I knew this wasn't going to solve her problems, but she was grateful. And we were both blessed because I took the time to treat her with the love and respect every human being deserves. I encourage you to think about the parable of the Good Samaritan in a fresh light and see how you can take the role God gives you when you're helping someone. And I guess there's one other character in the story I haven't talked about. If you ever find yourself in the role of the person who got robbed and beat up, you can trust God to send just the right Good Samaritan, innkeeper, and donkey to help you. Be humble and willingly accept all those who come to your aid. So I'll leave you with these questions. Who is your neighbor? Whose neighbor are you? And what will you do about it? Thank you so much for listening and tuning in today. I'd love to hear how you found the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Please go to my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and click on the Contact tab. Just fill out the little email form and let me know how you found out about The Bible Speaks to You. And if you haven't done so yet, I would really appreciate it if you could leave a review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of the other podcast apps you may be listening on, if they have that function. This helps people find the show. It shares how it's been helpful to you and how it can be helpful to them. 
If you'd like to read a full transcript of today's episode, you can find those along with all the Bible quotes from today's episode on the show notes page on my website. Go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 194. This is episode 194. And if you're listening on a podcast app, I'll have that link in the description. I want to thank you again for being here today and all the ways you've been supportive. I am so grateful. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.